Well, we're delighted to have Ray and Sue with us this weekend. Had a great weekend of fellowship. Many of you know Ray, and he's had a, an ongoing relationship with us for over 24 years, we think. Um, how did? I've been here 30 years. Yeah, oh yeah. Silence, silence. But no, it's really great to have Ray, and he's had an incredible input into this community over those years. If we've had any major issues and we've needed help, if we've got on the telephone, Ray has been there for us. And every person in this room this morning, whether you know Ray or not, you've benefited from Ray's ministry. So, Father, we want to thank you this morning for this partnership in the gospel. We ask right now that as Ray ministers your word, he has tremendous freedom among us. And Lord, that we will have hearts that are ready to receive all that you have to say to us, to the glory of your name. Oh, Amen. Man. Well, that was nice. Wasn't it? Uh, you know, have you heard I've t- got a terminal illness or something? No, I've just heard how long your sermon oh, is. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay, is this on? No, There we are. Nice to be here. Do you love the presence of God? So do I. And I just sense God's presence wonderfully with us this morning. There's no substitute for it, actually. No substitute for the presence of God. Um, Sue and I were away over the new year. We were down in France. One of our daughters lives there. And we were visiting, and, and I got out of routine. I don't like getting out of routine, particularly when it comes to my own devotional and all that sort of thing. And I was sort of out of routine. So I think we got back on the 5th or 6th of January, and I so got back into routine. And um, I don't know how you read uh, the scriptures in your devotional time, but I, I love to be in a gospel. So there's going to be gospel, at least a chapter or two, uh, usually in the Psalms. And uh, then other things. And uh, so I just happened to be in um, uh, Luke um, 21. And I read this passage, and I'm going to read it to you. And it just gripped me. Um, And and I I felt, as I researched, and I have been... Actually, I've lost sleep over this word, to be honest. And I I don't say that lightly, because I want to communicate... What I feel is on my heart and what is on God's heart. I hope it's going to be prophetic and practical, which is, again, a first for me, because I tend to be very practical and leave the prophetic for, you know, the people who live up there. Um, but it, 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 I, I, as, I, as I read through this passage, I, I was shocked. And so I want to read it to you. I'm going to, going to read it to you in Tom Wright's translation of the New Testament. I love this, and uh, it certainly helps me. Um, so I'll read it to you. Anybody got one of these copies? I know I've given a couple away since I've been here. Right, that's good. Right, that doesn't mean to say you can come and ask for a copy at the end. Okay. And it's, it's um, the heading is Signs of the End. Some people were talking about the temple, saying how wonderfully it was decorated with its beautiful stones and dedicated gifts. Yes, said Jesus, but the days will come when everything you see will be torn down. Not one stone will be standing upon another. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? 
What will be the sign that it's all about to take place? Watch out that no one deceives you, said Jesus. Yes, lots of people will come using my name, saying, I'm the one, and the time has come. Don't go following them. When you hear about wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. These things have to happen first, but the end won't come at once. One nation will rise against another, he went on, and one kingdom against another. There'll be huge earthquakes, famines and plagues in various places, terrifying omens and great signs from heaven. They didn't have telescopes like we do. You have to talk to Chris about all this sort of stuff. But whenever anything happened in the skies, a star or a constellation, something that was unusual, for them, the ancients, it was, that means something is about to happen. That's how they interpreted that. These things have to happen first, said Jesus. There'll be huge earthquakes, famines and plagues in various places, terrifying omens and great signs from heaven. Before all this happens, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons. They will drag you before kings and governors because of my name. That will become an opportunity for you to tell your story. So settle it in your hearts, not to work out beforehand what tale to tell. I'll give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will kill some of you. You'll be hated by everyone because of my name. But no hair of your head will be lost. The way to keep your lives is to be patient. But, Jesus continued, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that her time of desolation has arrived. Then people in Judea should run off to the hills. People in Jerusalem should get out as fast as they can and people in the countryside shouldn't go back into the city. Those will be the days of severe judgment which will fulfill all the biblical warnings. Woe betide pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. There is going to be huge distress on the earth and divine anger against this people. The hungry sword will eat them up. They will be taken off as prisoners to every nation. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the pagans until the times of the pagans are done. There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars. On earth the nations will be in distress and confusion because of the roaring and swelling of the sea and its waves. People were faint from fear and from imagining that, that all that's going to happen to the world. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great majesty. When all these things start to happen, stand up and lift up your heads because the time has come for you to be redeemed. Father, we... We love your word, and there are some parts of your word that we find tough. In fact, we usually tend to uh, stay away from these sort of things. But Lord, it's your word. And so we pray this morning, help us, Lord Jesus, as we come to your word. Speak to us, encourage us, fortify us, and Lord, envision us 
for this next decade of what you have in mind for your church. Worldwide, Lord, please. Amen. Having read that passage of scripture, I sat down and I, I just, I wrote down a, a, a lot of things that are happening or have happened recently. Um, because many people are depressed. And many, there are many Christians that are depressed. But there are many people in the world, they're depressed. They're, they're confused. What's going on? So these are the sort of things I wrote down. Some are, some are UK, some are, some are what's going on, uh, across the world. Um, I guess for us in the UK, um, the last three years have been very confusing. We, we, we are in constitutional crisis. Um, I've got a law background, so and constitutional law was one of the things I really enjoyed. So I've sat and listened to so many Brexit debates, not because I'm particularly interested in Brexit, because I'm interested in what's behind it all. And we, we, I, you know, historically, we probably haven't faced anything like this. The last time was probably under Oliver Cromwell, and at that time, civil war broke out, and and there was regicide. Charles I had his head cut off. Now, we're not going to give Elizabeth a bad time. I'm sure of that. But we it, it's interesting, isn't it, that for the first time in, in our political recent history, quite a, a long recent history, we've just not faced issues like this. And even ordinary people that would never really take an interest in these sort of things, I thought, well, where are we going? And I think that's a good question for the church to face in this next decade. Um, global warming. Now, I know that's a controversial subject, but folks, we, 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 we've messed up God's creation. <laughs> we've messed it up big time. And although there are those that say, well, there's no such thing and all the rest of it. Hey, let me tell you, if I'm honest, I don't have any faith that it's, it's going to change. We are in trouble. We have things now that we cannot control. And that is a new thing for the 21st century mankind. Because we can control whatever we like. We can't control the forest fires in Australia at the moment. All sorts of things are taking place. Uh, Volcanic eruptions. The Middle East is erupting. What's happening in Iran, Iraq, and you know, you can talk about Trump and you can talk about all these things. Actually, you can't lay this at the, at the door of one person or one nation. Something is going on that is catastrophic globally. Hundreds of thousands, there are hundreds of thousands of refugees today. 70.8 million people are displaced at this moment in time. How do you handle that? In terms of greed, there are monopolies by huge corporations that are finding legal loopholes to not even pay their taxes. And there's huge billions of... Greed is like it's never been. And it's increased crime everywhere. In our own cities. Knife crime is frightening. 
And then this latest, the Iran thing. Sexual gender confusion. I don't even want to go there. For my generation, it's just, I don't know, you know, it's like, how did we get to this place? And then Christians are persecuted in the world like never before. Hundreds of millions are persecuted. And I believe people are expecting catastrophes. And so, so Luke records the words of Jesus. You can just imagine. Uh, forget all that. Don't get. I'm not. This is not gloom and doom. This is encouragement this morning. I'm just setting the scene. We've got to be real. I'm setting the scene. So this is it. Jesus is with his disciples. This is. This is during his last week on earth. And he must have been in the temple surrounds. And this was a magnificent temple. Um, Herod, Herod the Great had, had, had made it his business to, to, to build some magnificent um, buildings. And the temple was being restored and, and just made, just made, um, Majestic, I don't have words for it. But remember, for them, the Jew, this is where God dwelt. This was his presence, a house for God. So just imagine, they're all saying, hey, Jesus, this is amazing, isn't it? It's finished at last, 70 years in renovating. It's finished at last. Look at this, isn't this wonderful? And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, but actually, it's not going to last that long. There won't be one stone standing on another. It's going to be destroyed. There's going to be judgment. There's armies going to come in. You're going to be taken into slavery. There's going to be wholesale carnage. That must have been a shock. What do you think? It's shocking what Jesus said. And of course they were used to Jesus actually saying things but that actually happened. When he spoke to blind, deaf people, they were healed. Here's, this is a man who has some authority here. I thought, wow. What, what, is, what is going on? And we know in AD 70, from AD 66 to AD 70, there was a four-year conflict with Rome. And this prediction of this destruction was fulfilled in AD, in AD 70. Titus, who was the emperor's son, brought huge legions into the area and they, and, 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 and they besieged the city, the temple, the city of Jerusalem. Um, <laughs> interesting, uh, read that uh, Titus never intended to destroy the temple. That was never their aim. Their aim was to turn the temple into a place of worship of the cult of the emperor and Roman deities. But the Roman troops were so in such a frenzy of four years of frustration, something like 60,000, 80,000 trained troops against basically what was a rabble. There were two leaders, they were at one another's throats. Basically, they weren't well trained, they weren't well... But they, but they withheld the might of Rome for four years. The 
the legions got into a frenzy. They were so frustrated, so angry, and they were uncontrollable to their commanders. That's not how we tend to normally see Roman troops, is it? They weren't quite as good as they were cracked up to be, to be honest. And so they began to burn the whole place down. And that was the beginning of the whole destruction. Because Jesus said, this is going to happen. And nothing will stop it, even the might of Rome and the legions. Josephus, the Jewish historian, as he writes of the Jewish wars, he says this, that he reckons that there were 1.1 million that were killed during those four years. And there were Jews, and there were some Christians. Jesus said, you need to flee. Get out of the city, get out of the place. It was, it was the time of Passover as well. So there were so many pilgrims in this place. And it is reckoned that it was a wholesale slaughter. And many were innocents that had no interest in this war whatsoever. 97,000 were taken into slavery, sold into slavery, scattered across the nation. Some became gladiators that fought in the arenas. The two leaders of the insurrection were marched in parade to Rome and then they were strangled publicly. Publicly executed. And the temple... And the city was totally destroyed. Has anybody been to Israel? I suspect some of you have, yeah. And you've been to that Wailing Wall. That's, that's basically all that is left. So Jerusalem and Judaism came to an end as it was. Sacrifices have never been made since. Three years later, Masada was still the last stronghold. They had also been besieged all but two women committed mass suicide rather than be taken by Rome. So when Jesus spoke these words and this prediction of what was to take place, there must have been shockwaves that went through the disciples and those that were following him. I thought, well, what is the world coming to? I think a lot of people are saying that at this time. What is the world coming to? And they ask him a question, two questions. The disciples said, when's this going to take place and what is the sign? And Jesus doesn't answer them. In fact, he rarely tells us when and how. And that's what I, I loved about reading through this passage because Jesus said, it's not important to know the time or even there to be a sign. But what he does He says how we are to deal with the sort of things that are happening in the world. And so as as I read through this, I thought this is as applicable today for us with what we face as it was for them. Now, it's not exactly the same, of course. We're in the 21st century. But nevertheless, and it was interesting, the, the readings we had on Pete's this morning, because the first thing, he says four things to them, basically. I'm going to be faithful on time. Once I finish at 12, I've got to finish? Okay. I'm going to be faithful on time. Might cheat a bit, but we'll be faithful on time. <laughs> the first thing he says is this. Don't be deceived. Ah, it, even in the scriptures, it speaks for, even if the elect could be deceived. Well, I think some of the elect are deceived. 
Today, there's so much speculation within the church. There are so many wackies around. They're both in the Orthodox, the Catholic, the Protestant, and Charismatic Church. I went on to Google, and I looked this all up, and oh my goodness, there was pages. Everybody thinks that everybody else is deceived in the church. So I thought, blow that. I'm getting deceived by even reading this stuff. And then I remembered that Paul himself was accused of being a deceiver. And uh, when he was in Thessalonica, remember he was only there for about a month in terms of ministry. And then those Judaizers came in and they rubbished Paul's ministry. They accused him of being a charlatan, only being in it for the money, making a name for himself, being a man pleaser, etc. And so I, I, I thought, let's Let's, let's go to the word of God. Let's get it from the horse's mouth. This is what Paul says. For you yourselves know, my dear family, that our visit to you didn't turn out to be empty. On the contrary, we had already undergone awful things and been shamefully treated in Philippi. As you know, but we were open and exuberant in our God in declaring to you the gospel despite a good deal of opposition. When we make our appeal, you see, we are not deceiving people. We don't have impure motives. We aren't playing some kind of trick. Rather, we speak as people whom God has validated to be entrusted with the gospel. Not with a view of pleasing people, but in order to please God who validates our hearts. For we never use flattering words, as you know. Nor were we saying things insincerely as a cover-up for greed, as God is our witness. We weren't looking for recognition from anybody, either you or anyone else, though we could have imposed on you as the Messiah's emissaries. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse taking care of her children. We were so devoted to you that we gladly intended to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives, because you became dear to us. I want to say about this church, I have, it's 25 years actually, Alan, um, that I've been coming. I want to say this to you. In those 25 years, one thing you've always had is good leadership. Sincere leadership. Sacrificial leadership. Now, Alan has headed up that team for 25 years, but those that have been with him have been of that caliber. I want to say that to you. So what keeps us from deception is good leadership that faithfully brings God's word to us with the heart of, that God intends for sacrificial leadership. So Paul highlights those things. What keeps us from deception is trust those who are faithful to God's word. Those who have pure motives, not men pleasers, not, no, not those who use flattering words, not those who are in it for recognition, but are gentle, caring, devoted, sharing both word and giving themselves. That keeps us on track. And God wants us to be on track. It's a time, folks, for this world's sake to be on track. Secondly, he says, don't be alarmed. <laughs> well, I think I might well have been. I think, hold on a minute. 
I put some money into this temple. I mean, the little passage before is the widow's might, actually, if you notice. There's four lines there on the widow's might. Hold on, I put some money into this temple. I've been giving my time for this temple. You may say somebody's going to pull the thing down. Yes, because God wants a genuine temple. He wants a, a living temple. Not made with stones, but with, 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 with flesh, with heart. What we're witnessing at the moment, with all the things I described, is under the sovereign scrutiny of God. That's true. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? I do. I think more than anything else. The sovereignty of God. I actually believe that Jesus... I was asked some years ago, I got to know a bunch of Roman Catholic guys. I still know them. They let me preach for three and a half hours on the... Well, they invited me. Three and a half hours on the on the humanity of Christ a couple of years ago in California, Alan. Three and a half hours. Not in one go, but over one day. And one of them asked me a question. Ray, do you believe God is in charge? I said, no. I believe something better than that. I believe he's sovereign. Oh, what's the difference? Well, the difference is this. We make mistakes, we make mess, we get into sin. He can work in all that and weave it into the picture that he's painting, not the picture that we're painting. That's God. He is sovereign in all this that's taking place. So you can turn your telly. I do. I, I mean, Sue says to me sometimes, oh, watching the news again. It is bad news. There's no good news out there. And if there is, they're not going to put it on television. But to me, it's, wow, God, this is interesting. And it helps you actually to pray. Because you bring it back to him. Because it's his world. Jesus, is, it's his possession. It's his inheritance. So he is sovereign. So we believe in it. And that's why we pray. If we don't believe in a sovereign God, why come, for, why come and burn the midnight oil in prayer? We come because we believe in a God who is sovereign, but who loves. Why, why do we have to pray them? Because he wants us to join with him, because we are in Christ. We are wrapped up in this with him. So when we come and pray, we're agreeing with him. He loves it. And so the more of that we engage in, the more that... And I do believe there is going to be... I think there already is... And, in, in our nation, despite all that I shared this morning, something is happening in our nation. People are coming together to pray. The other thing that's happening is that, is that churches are coming together and there's some strange bed partners at the moment. I mean, we, we are back at Biggin Hill, a church we haven't been, Sue and I, for 11 years and um, they're very much involved in, in, in prayer and things. We've been on a couple of church plants and now we're back Back, back home in a sense but uh, and, and the guy that leads the church who's very much out there in the community he spoke of hey we got an I think it's next Sunday night we'll have to be there soon uh, we've got the Catholics coming we've got this coming I think my goodness we never had that in my day why was that well it wasn't because I was anti it just wasn't where we were but something different is happening and we've got to be we've got to be open to these things Something is coming together and it's exciting.
And in the natural, we are going to be alarmed (laughs) by bad news and frightening events. But we have the gift of the Spirit. So we're not to be alarmed. Alarm is only temporary. People say, oh, with hindsight, if only we had the gift of hindsight. There is no gift of hindsight. I'm sorry. There's no gift. The gift is faith. The gift is to trust. And the fruit of that is peace. The fruit, the gift, and, 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 the, and, the, and the fruit comes out of the gift. So as we, as we, as we exercise faith, so, so it, it increases our confidence in God. It, 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 we, we find a peace with God that passes human understanding. Because we could be alarmed. We should be alarmed. But somehow we think, why, why are we not alarmed? Because we trust God. Because God speaks to us. We have his word. So hindsight is not a gift. And God doesn't want us to operate in hindsight. He wants to operate in faith. So we have something much better than hindsight. We don't need hindsight. <laughs> we have peace. We have truth. We have trust. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's getting them ready and future generations ready that will, will have this word. So here we are, 21 centuries later. We have this word that Jesus spoke in that situation, but the same word is applicable to us as a church. Then then thirdly, he says this, he said, look, what's going to happen to you, and particularly, and some of you are going to die, but you're going to be dragged before kings and rulers. And they didn't have to wait 40 years for that to happen, because within days of Pentecost, Peter and John and others, they were dragged before the Sanhedrin, They they, 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 they were beaten, But then they gave their account. They told their story. Don't worry what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words. You don't have to be eloquent. They weren't eloquent. They were Galileans. Is there any Irish people here? Sorry, I'm going to insult you. Sorry, Hal. We we make jokes about the Irish, don't we? We shouldn't, but we do. I'm Welsh, so I, I don't do that. But... Galileans were the people, they were the people you made, there was, you know, they were the people you made a joke of. Because they were as thick as two planks. That was what was, that was what was regarded. And they, they, these are Galileans! These are not tutored. They were the thick of the thick. But there they were. The Holy Spirit fulfills what Jesus said. Don't worry what you're going to speak. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. He will give you what to say. And so Luke recalls for us that after that first event, it says this, but a large number of people who had heard the message believed it and the number grew to 5,000. So it didn't take long for that prediction to be fulfilled. And the wonderful thing is, ladies and gentlemen, it's been fulfilled for 21 centuries. Now I have a friend... I have more than one, but I certainly have this friend. His name is Nick. He used to be in my church. And unlike me, he's tall, dark, and handsome. I'm just short, dark, and handsome. 
And Nick is about six foot three, six foot four, an excellent soccer player and very handsome and very desirable. And there were ladies that were hoping. And we used to play soccer against uh, one another and we still have scars. Uh, he has some and I have some from those um, boxing day when the over 30s played the under 30s. I was glad when he got over 30. Um, but he was my sort of guy, very manly, sporty and all that sort of stuff. I love this guy. And uh, But a young Californian lass came along. Her name is Sherry. And uh, they married. And she tried to cope with the English climate. But after two years, she couldn't cope with it. Bless her. And they went back to California. He retrained as an engineer and he was, he's been involved in the rebuilding of all the uh, roads and what have you, Spaghetti Junction in Los Angeles and a uh, great guy. And they've been in three churches in America. Churches are run very different, but not your style at all, Alan. Uh, um, and uh, they get rid of their leaders quite often. They sack them and they try and get, they get a new one. And this has been going on three times. And they kept in touch and we'd visited. And I said, for goodness sake, forget church. Just meet in your house with a few people and uh, and let's see what happens. And they did. And I'd obviously got the word and, and, you know, and apostolic wisdom and nobody was added to them at all. So it's been going on for three years. (laughs) And they've got back to me at times and I've said to Sue, I wonder if I got that one right. But anyway, a young fellow's come to town who seems to be very charismatic and he started something and they've, they've, they've joined with him, which I'm thrilled about. But I get a Christmas card, eh? Christmas card. Now, I bet none of you have got anything like this on your Christmas cards. Ethiopia was great. I didn't know he'd gone to Ethiopia. Although we did, we did um, end up in jail and do some time in jail. He says, it's going on my account. That was the first day which redirected all our plans. (laughs) We ended up visiting a village which had experienced long periods of persecution. From within their own village, now their testimony is of God's miraculous hand at work in their lives. Many of those who exercise their freedom to persecute them that's the believers. He's not, he's not very good at English. They are now following Jesus. So now a team of us from our little church are going to Ethiopia again with the goal of reaching out to the Gummel people, whoever they are, in the northwest. An opportunity. Even amongst persecution, opposition, an opportunity. Wow. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? This is how God operates. When we, when we take what comes, and sometimes we have to, but it gives us an opportunity. And that, I mean, I don't know, I'm going to write back to him and find out what he was doing in jail and all the other stuff and that. I think, wow. Hey, and this is just an ordinary guy. He's an ordinary engineer working on roads but found an opportunity to serve. (laughs) And then lastly, Jesus says, be patient. 
This will surprise you to know that by nature, I'm not a very patient person. (laughs) Don't talk to Sue about that. But again, I'm not to live other than my new nature. Because patience is what? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Actually, if you study this passage like I've been, I've read it so many times. I'm not looking, I don't tend to go with commentaries, I like background stuff. But actually, what you find here is, this is all about the Holy Spirit again. In fact, everything's about the Holy Spirit. Can't get away from him. <laughs> it's, and you, what you'll find there, you've got, you've got two main fruits of the Spirit, peace and patience, and you've got two, two gifts of the Holy Spirit there. Um, this, 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 this whole gift of the sensitivity to the Spirit in terms of doing the works that Jesus did. Um, and the other is... Um, which we came to first of all, um, discernment is a gift of the Spirit. And our new nature, we have a new nature. We are partakers of the divine nature, says Peter. That doesn't mean say we've taken on deity, but, it, but being in Christ enables us to walk and live by the Spirit. That's what these, that's what these disciples, this was doing after, after Pentecost and what we are to do. So we don't, we're, we're not people who say, well, I'm hoping for the best. Or maybe we'll get lucky. Now, our, our, our patience is based on God's promises. And we have great promises in the Word, don't we? Well, they were read out to us this morning. Great promises in the word. And, and some of us, we've had, we've had words by credible, prophetic, tested ministry that we are hanging on to, yes? Sue and I, have, we're going through a difficult time emotionally with our children, got to be honest. They're not going the way we want them to go. It's tough. But we've had incredible promises, particularly in 94, amazing supernatural way Someone came to us about several things that we'd put before God. No one knew, but a few squirrels and um, pigeons, because it was very early morning that I was out praying about the kids. And, and I'd come to a place where I was ready to give up, give up uh, leading church. Only once in my life have I felt that way. And then this prophetic word, we've had words like that. What does that do? That enables you to trust and Consequently, you exercise patience. One of the things I say to Sue, well, if we've got to wait a long time for God to sort our kids out, well, at least we're going to live a long time. <laughs> That's the good side. <laughs> Sue says, oh no, do, I, do we have to? Was Paul right in going up to Jerusalem before he went to Rome? I think he was. He knew he was going to Rome. He planned to go to Rome. He wrote a letter beforehand. He said, I want to come to impart spiritual... I want, I want you to see me on my way to Spain. So he went via Jerusalem. And then people started, well, Paul, you're nuts. They're going to arrest you. They're, going to, they're, they're probably going to flog you. 
There's danger awaiting you. And Agabus, you know, number one prophet. Didn't seem to have too many in the New Testament, did they? We have a lot more today. God help us. All sorts of weird stuff comes out. But this Agabus says, look, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be handed over uh, to, uh, to, to, to pagans. And, you're gonna, you know, your life's going to be in threat. Now, Agabus wasn't, wasn't prophesying that for Paul to do what Agabus thought he ought to do. Because we don't know what Agabus thought. He was just being faithful to the word of God. And Paul says, okay, but I'm ready for that. So now I'm forewarned of what I can expect, but I know that God is going to get me to Rome. And he had three years of incarceration under house arrest, which he, you know, can you imagine three years of waiting? And then eventually he says, right, having thwarted a number of attempts on his life, he says, I appeal to Caesar. And so he makes his way, makes his way to Rome. So patience. I imagine he was frustrated. Do you ever get frustrated? Oh, I get frustrated over stupid things at times. Of course we get frustrated. But we exercise, we exercise our gifts in that. So, okay. So there's a hold up here. But Lord, you, you, you're in this with me. So Paul got there. We don't know whether he got to Spain. I've read lots of on this. He may have done, he may not have done. Luke doesn't tell us and doesn't really matter. But this patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that... So if you're, if you're like me, you're not naturally patient. Don't despair because it's a fruit of the Spirit. And as we believe God... And follow his leadings, whether it's as a church or whether it's individuals. God will exercise, give us this gift. I'm going to close because 12's coming up. 5 to 12, Alan. Put this in your, put this in your book for this year. What does the word of God say about us? I love Ephesians, don't you? I love that book because it's about the church. The manifold wisdom of God will be made known through the church, even to the principalities and authorities. Those principalities, not just what's up there, they're also earthly principalities and powers that are under the dominion of what's up there. Okay, so we're not dealing with flesh and blood, but it comes in flesh and blood. More than often, as you know, as you're trying to get planning permission and get your signs changed and all that sort of It will come. There will be opposition. We are in a battle. That is why we need to exercise the weapons of prayer and faith that God has given to us. What does that mean, folks? Well, whether we like it or not, we actually are the answer. Now, for so long, the church has been the problem through church history. Shameful things have been done. But let's put a line under those. We are here to be the answer. You are here to be the answer for this community and much further afield. And if we follow Jesus' simple admonitions here, even in times of confusion and severe difficulty, 
We will not only come through ourselves, but we will rescue others. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? To be able to rescue others. Our, our number three daughter is a first responder. She trained. Thinking our training weekends. So what it means basically, when an ambulance can't get there, or before an ambulance gets there, her and her partner, um, who's a first responder, another lady, they get there. And, uh, the other day they were, uh, they were on their, a minute, was it a minute or five minutes before they were due off? Uh, her, her partner responded, said, come on, Kath, let's just go, let's go and have a glass of wine or something. We've been on for nine hours. That's it. There's nothing more going to happen now. And just, and Kath said, no, we bet we ought to hang on till six. So it was a couple of minutes. I found telephone call straight away. Uh, 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 a guy is, uh, uh, having fits, etc., etc. And you need to get to his place, which was quite nearby. And she got there, and, and the, he, they had lots of stairs. And he was he was basically choking. He needed tracheotomy, all that sort of stuff. And uh, and um, and at the end of it, before the ambulance guys got there, Kath said, "It's covered in blood, in snot. It was coming all." Up. She said, "It well, it was horrible." And then they wanted to go to the hospital. The ambulance crew said, can he come to the hospital? Okay. So it's about 10 o'clock eventually when she gets home. But the ambulance guy said this to her, to the two of them. You saved this guy's life. Do you realize that? And all that blood and all that snot and all that filth on her and all the, all that took place. I could see it in her face. It had scored big time. And it just encouraged her to want to do more and to pay the price more and to give more hours. Folks, that's a pale comparison of what God has called us to. I think this next decade, I think it's going to be tough. I I, I think the way we're messing around with, I have no faith that... uh, those that have, are now coming into their industrial revolution are going to be able to put that down in order that the, we may not further pollute. But actually, at the end of the day, we're not going to be alarmed. Why? Because we have a God who is sovereign and he has enlisted us as his emissaries, as Paul says, not just to get through ourselves, but to rescue others. Do you believe that? What you ought to, because that's what you're doing. But it's going to happen more and more and more. So let's just bring this next year, this next decade. I know you did that with Alan last week. I didn't mean this to be a New Year's message. It was just, it's hot off the press. Um, um, But I, I, I think there's something prophetic in it. And I think there's something infinitely practical in it. That, that it's not pie in the sky up there. It's what we can do. So, can we just pray? My Welsh friend, will you pray for us? Because you're good at this. And I just, don't you love the Welsh accent? Come and pray for us. Bring us your beautiful, did you, didn't you love that prayer earlier on? That declaring of truth. That was brilliant. So, come on, let's just, come on, give him the, let's stand together. Yeah, let's do that. And I'm going to, I'm done, but... uh... Thanks, Ray. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we simply declare to you that we are here for you. With all the confusion, all the gloom and doom that the press want to throw at mankind, we are here for you. I want to thank you, Jesus, that nothing takes you by surprise. Because of the increase of your government and your peace, there will be no end. We thank you, God, as it increases in us, and as your peace increases through us, and as your kingdom grows in us and grows through us, then we help to fulfill the promise and the prophecy that of your kingdom and of your peace, there will be no end. We thank you, Jesus, that no matter what the world says, no matter what the press may say, no matter what politicians may argue about, no matter how they fall out and how they disagree and how they oppose one another, we thank you, God, you said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, but of the increase of your government and your peace, there will be no end. And so, Lord Jesus, we stand in awe of you today, and we welcome you to come again and fill us with your peace. Help us to be those ambassadors, Lord Jesus, that take you wherever we go in the dark world that is around us so that the light of Jesus may continually shine in our communities, amongst our families, with all the problems that we all face, all the opposition that we have, all the confusions that we all deal with. May we take the light of Jesus wherever we may go, whether it's next door, whether it's up the street, whether it's down the road, to the office, to the factory, to universities, wherever we go, Father, let the light of Jesus, your wonderful shine through us under the anointing of your spirit. Father, we thank you that nothing but nothing takes you by surprise. We thank you, God, that years and years ago, centuries ago, you made the promise that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, day and night, summer and winter shall not cease. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in control. Up from the grave he arose. Up from the grave he ascended. Triumphing over all his foes. There's nothing that you cannot do. There's nothing that throws you off course. And there's a day coming, Lord Jesus. One day. The trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glory will shine. Wonderful day my beloved ones bring in. Glorious Savior, this Jesus is mine. Let me ask you this question before I finish. If you don't know him, right now, right now, just say this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, my life is in a mess. I don't understand the confusion that I'm in. But right now, in the quietness of my own soul, I give my life to you. Sort out my mess. Dispel my darkness. Let the light of your glory come into my life. And fill me today with your spirit in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, God, that by the power of your spirit, you send us on our way rejoicing because we serve a risen Savior. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to leave it there. We're going to draw our meeting to a close. I want to thank Ray and, and Sue for coming among us today. If you... Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right.